verse 3. Second Peter 1. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what. We'll just start at the beginning of the chapter. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Everybody said through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There are some things that come to us free gratis. It is grace that comes to us from the Lord. But I submit to you there are some things that we cannot receive until we at least know a little something about who God is and know his ways and his purpose for us. So grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord according as his divine power hath given unto us. Everybody say that's me. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Aren't you glad about that? There's not one thing that God said we cannot have. That his will is for us to prosper as our soul prospers. According to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, there it is again, that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's saying that by these exceeding great and precious promises, we can be partakers. Anybody want to be a partaker tonight? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is a threefold arena, the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It is getting past those things. Paul said, leaving those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before us, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so he tells us it's by these things that we receive these precious promises that we can be partakers, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. My subject tonight is reflective of verse Four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. And I want to just talk to you a little while tonight about claiming your promise. Claiming your promise. You want to claim a promise tonight? Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. Grateful for your spirit, grateful for the power of God that has been in this service so strongly. 
We're grateful for the blessings of the Lord that by grace so many things come to us. But Lord, we come tonight to, Lord, learn a little more about you. And we've come, Lord, tonight to hunger for a little more of you in our lives that we can be conformed to the image of Christ and receive the benefits and the blessings that come through the promises of our God. And we give you praise and glory for everything that you're doing. And everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. There is a song that I tried to remember and put it down on paper, and uh, it might be a little bit different than perhaps the way that you've heard it, but it says, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his word divine. Every promise in the book is mine. And scattered throughout the pages of the Word of God, there are discovered definite and explicit promises that form this category that the Apostle Peter called the exceeding great and precious promises of the Lord. And they are not expressed to us in mere generality, but they are given to us with the greatest of clarity and simplicity. I want you to consider tonight that all of the prophecies and all of the covenants, all of the miracles that you and I find throughout the Bible are considered to be promises from the Lord. There are 2,461 promises in the book of Psalms. There has been calculated in your King James Bible that there are 915 in the book of Proverbs alone. And there are 31,173 verses that make up our King James Bible and it's been figured that there are approximately 30,000 promises in the Word of God. And I believe that that being said, that God has, has come to us in His Word and he is really making a statement to us. He is simply reminding us that I have made some promises unto my people. I have made some promises to those that are faithful and obedient to my word. But greater still, I believe that even yet while we were sinners, not only did Christ die for us, but he did that that he might procure those promises even while we were yet sinners. I want you to know that when the sinner repents, honey, we qualify for eternal life. That if we'll just be obedient and let God fill us with the Holy Ghost, hey man, I'm here to tell you, God has got some incredible promises for his people tonight. Praise God, praise God. And I believe the, uh, the abundance, uh, their scope and the diversity of the promises of God, they prove to us that God's divine promises cover absolutely every one of our needs tonight. I want to point out in this scripture that we have read that he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge 
image of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And so I believe that God in his word has given to us promises that we may obtain and claim, if you will, and uh, because God knows that we often fall short in our pursuit to be more like him. I want to ask you something here tonight. Do you have any needs in your life? Then I'm here to remind you God has some promises that we can claim tonight. I don't know about you, but I came to this service with needs in my life as a preacher and as a saint of God. Uh, I got a phone call this afternoon and my precious daughter Jessica, she began to tell me about uh, uh, what God had done for her. Here for some time she has been searching for a job. She has a bachelor's degree. She is a nurse. She has worked at the hospital there in the, in the town that we live in. And uh, after a while, through an injury, she was not able to continue work there. And so she had gone to work over in the city of Mobile. And uh, over time, due, uh, due to the job situation, she left that job and she's been praying and believing God uh, to open up doors for her. And uh, she is greatly involved in church. She, she is a young lady that loves God. She's a prayerful young lady. And I'm going to brag on my kids, praise God, if that's all right. Amen. Don't always get to do it. But she is incredibly talented and a very gifted singer. And uh, it's not just going through the motions, but she has an absolute incredible passion to, to minister to people and to reach the lost and to be a blessing to the church of the living God. And uh, with all that said, she wants to have those service nights off. She wants to be able to be in church on Sunday without having a job that's keeping her out. And so she had been fasting and praying. In fact, we all had. And she contacted me today. And she said, well, I went to see a particular lady at a home health uh, business and they want to hire me. In fact, she offered the job. And uh, we got to talking about it and all the ins and outs and what you're going to get paid. And, and I think sometimes as parents, you want to make sure they get paid, praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. And uh, we began to talk about it, and it is just an incredible situation that God has opened up for her. And uh, it goes back to some things that my, my wife and I have, uh, have taught her to just sometimes you've got to be patient and waiting for God to move things in your life and for God to open doors. It's through those hours of struggling and waiting sometime, and even through frustration, you still let faith hold on to uh, uh, believing God and and she understands that God will promise to provide for his children and that is one thing as a preacher you've learned to to uh, remind your kids of that 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 you've got to hold on some time and you've got to trust God to provide and you've got to believe that your God is going to do it because uh, David said I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread and so my heart leapt this night this afternoon knowing that, that she's going to be employed and God's blessings uh, are on her and she's learned a valuable lesson even though in her mid-twenties she's, she's knowing that, that you know sometimes you've, you've got to hold on and just wait and keep on claiming the promises of God even though they may not have come to pass just yet. Oh, hallelujah. Now I get excited about the word of God, folks, as though you can't tell. 
Praise God. But I, I really enjoyed the word, and I, I want you to understand that the word is still quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow. That word is powerful. It's living. It's something that is alive for every one of us. It, it is the very thing that is the basis of our faith. It is the very thing that gives us guidance in our relationship and our walk with God. God, but honey, it goes deeper than that. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a basis for the promises of God to be ours for the claiming. Oh, hallelujah. You see, God is faithful to his people. Somebody say amen. All right, it's 8 o'clock, 8.07 for the clock watchers, and I'm watching it. Praise God. I'm going to get you out of here in a timely manner tonight. Oh, help me, Jesus. But I want you to understand that God is faithful tonight. How many of you know God's faithful? How many of you know God will never let you down? How many of you know, hey, how many has God ever failed you tonight? Has God ever failed you? Amen. Has God ever let you down? Praise God. And God never will because he is faithful. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that God is faithful it says in Hebrews 10 and verse 23, let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. It means get a bulldog grip. Sink your teeth into it. Praise God. Some of you husbands, you want to sink your teeth into your wife sometime. Praise God. But you need to sink your teeth into the promises of God tonight. Boy, y'all are quiet. Praise God. That's all right. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For faithful is he that promised. There is a reason not to waver. Wow. There's a reason not to start leaning one way or the other. Get up one morning, oh man, I'm full of faith and God's gonna do it. Get up the next morning and uh, oh, I don't know if God's hearing me or not. Are you with me tonight? I'm still talking about claiming your promises. And so God reminds us that it is due to his faithfulness that all of the promises of God may be procured. It is because God is faithful to us. The book of Numbers tells us God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Wow. If God said it, he's going to do it. If God has said that he's going to bring something to pass in your life and, uh, and God's given you a promise and, uh, and you've had that witness from the word of God and the spirit of the Lord. You, you can go to the word of God. You know the principles of the Lord. You understand that, that God wants to bless you. He's not, he's not some big bully leaning over the balcony of heaven with, uh, with a Louisville slugger baseball bat in his hand uh, a man ready to take you out because of some slighted mistake or your struggle in believing him for something. I'm, I'm submitting to you from the word of God tonight that if God said it, God will make it good. Somebody shout hallelujah. God is faithful. He will do what he said he would do. 
I don't have time tonight to go through the word of God. It's replete with with words that God has spoken. I will do this and I will bring this to pass. I will cause this to happen and repetitively. And you you can not only use your Bible, but you go into history and you start looking at things even archaeologically and historically. How that God said, I'm going to do this. And uh, while others didn't believe it, while others second guessed and uh, others wouldn't receive it, it didn't stop God. It didn't not hinder him. It did not intimidate him. Somebody say amen. Uh, it didn't It didn't block his progress, but they understood one thing after God brought it to pass. Well, that's another one we can check off the list because it just goes to show us that regardless of what man may or may not believe, God is still faithful to himself. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. You know, man's word is so fragile. How many of you discovered that to be true? They tell you one thing and do another. A politician came to a grocer one time, asked him to vote for him, and the grocer replied, well, I'm sorry, sir, I can't do that. The other politician got here before you did, and he gave me his little game plan of what he's going to do politically, and I kind of bought into that. I think it's a great idea, and I'm just sorry. I can't do that. I, I've already given that man my word. I'm going to vote for him. The politician kind of started grinning and snickering, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, well, what's wrong with you? He said, sir, didn't you understand that in politics, promising and performing are two different things? Somebody, I should have got a big amen in here. Hallelujah. And so it is that man's promises are like pie crust. They're, they're lightly made and so easily broken. You see, man forgets. He changes his mind. He vacillates. He reveals to all that he is a mere mortal. But the Bible said that God is faithful. He doesn't forget. He's not wishy-washy. He's not broke. And he's certainly not dead. Somebody say amen. He is alive and well. He liveth and abideth forevermore. He is eternal. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. His word is forever settled in heaven. The promises of God, the Bible tells us, The promises of God in him are yea and amen. Now, I mentioned here uh, just a few services ago that, that, that we are under attack in our faith. You see, if the devil can't get you to believe God and believe the gospel and and obey the gospel and receive the Holy Ghost to be saved and get yourself ready to for the return of Jesus Christ, he'll he'll try to convince you all that stuff's just a bunch of junk and and uh, man, that all that religion stuff's just for uh, weak old folks and uh, just for them to have something to do when they get old. I got news for you: church is exciting. Living for God is where it's at. You're not going to convince me, honey. I've been there. I've done the party, and I've I've played in a rock band. I've played in the ballrooms. I've I've done all kind of crazy stuff that I, and hurt people. I wish a lot of things I could take back. But honey, living in the church filled with the Holy Ghost is where it's at. I'm here to tell somebody today that when you claim your promises, it gives life meaning. Hey, it makes it worthwhile because God's got greater things ahead for the church. Praise God, praise God. 
John chapter 4, verse 46, the Bible said that Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. It's the story of the nobleman's son that was healed, and the Bible said that Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. You know, the Lord just doesn't pass by one time and then write us off. But he, he knows the frailty of our flesh. He knows that we're but dust. He understands the struggle. In fact, the confessions of one man to the Lord, our Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me with my struggle to claim your promises and to hold fast to what you can do for us. And the Bible said Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And the Bible said when he heard I want you to understand hearing is a vital part of you receiving the promises of God. We've got to hear the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of the Lord. Your faith is directly connected to what you hear. And it's not just what you hear audibly. It's what you hear and you receive if you're receiving it, then it's a good sign you're believing it. Talking about claiming the promises of God now. And the Bible said when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. Isn't that the picture of prayer? Lord, come down here and help me in this situation. Lord, come down here and help us with this church. You know, the Bible said, Except the Lord build the house that they labor in vain, which build it. You need to put God smack dab. Can I use that term? I was preaching somewhere and somebody thought I cussed one time. Lord have mercy. But you you need you you need to get God smack dab in the middle of your situation. Every request, it needs to be brought to the Lord in light of not your inabilities but in his possibilities, what he can do with it. And Jesus sees this man, and as he begins to seek the Lord, the Bible said he besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, uh, I'm running out of time here, but you just stay with me for a moment here. The word besought here is a very strong term. And uh, if we were to illustrate that here tonight, it was almost as though the man jumped up and grabbed the Lord by the by the robe that he was wearing and literally was dragging him uh, for the request to be answered. <clears throat> I want to ask you something. How long has it been since you prayed like that? Wow. You really got in earnest with God and you, 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 just, you just locked yourself away in a prayer closet and you didn't worry about messing up your hair. Praise God. You didn't worry about sweating down your pajamas and getting down to business with the Lord and agonizing with the Lord in prayer. Do we still do that kind of praying in Pentecost? Boys, sure get, get quiet. I know you're listening. But I want you to understand, if we're not careful in Pentecost, we will lose that type of passion. And we will lose that kind of intensity and I believe that when we come to God, there must be an earnestness about us if we want to claim the promises of God. Hello? 
we just don't haphazardly bump into it. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Hello? It's, it's that passion. It's that hunger. Let me move on here. And Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now stay with me. <clears throat> you know, most of the time in the scripture, Jesus is rebuking his disciples for a lot of things. Uh, I tell you what, <clears throat> I think some of us might have found it kind of hard to have Jesus as our pastor. Every time we turn around, boy, he was tuning us up. Well, some of y'all looking at me like cow looking at a new gate. I'll move on. But sometimes, you know, we think, oh, Jesus was, sometimes Jesus got pretty tough. You better thank God when your pastor gets tough on you. But I got a few good Baptist nods in this house, hallelujah. We got the bobblehead thing going on one side, church, and the rest of y'all just grinning. I know you understand what I'm saying because sometimes we, we just get in these modes, don't we? And so Jesus understands the heart of the human. He understands that sometimes he has to put his finger upon the pulse of our motives. And so he's not speaking to disciples when he says what he's about to say. And when he looks at the nobleman, he says, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You know, when God gets to moving in a service and the gifts of the Spirit are poured out, a lot of folks, boy, it's almost like they, they just come for the show. But I got news for you. It's not psychic network. You don't dial up the 1-800 number and call Sister Chloe or whatever she calls herself. She ain't no sister of mine. Somebody say Amen. She better get the Holy Ghost. She wants to be a sister. Praise God. Hmm. I didn't charge you for that. I'm, I'm going to get you out of here. I promise you I'm going to get you out of here. But, but Jesus checks our spirit. And I'm here to tell you God reserves the right to check our motives. I'm still talking about claiming the promises of God. Because there are times, you know, we ask, but what the Bible say in James? We ask what? Amiss. You know, I love to deer hunt, but I tell you what, I hate it if I miss. I love to bow hunt, but I hate it if I miss. I want to put that arrow and that hundred grain that broadhead right there in the bullseye. I want to put that in that deer's boiler room, and and well, I'm not going to get into the graphics, but I want to be able to take some deer meat home and put it in the freezer, feed my family. And sometimes we miss the mark simply because our motivations are not. Our attitude's not right. <clears throat> You're struggling with an attitude? That might be the reason why God's holding back on fulfilling some things that he's promised. Just a thought. Stay with me. But the nobleman reveals a pure spirit. He reveals an attitude of acceptance of what is said. When he says, sir, come down ere my child die. I have no other motivation here but that you should do this simply for her sake. 
or rather his son's sake. And Jesus saith unto him, go thy way. You know, when God gets to talking in your situation, when God gets to speaking that promise over your life, <clears throat> don't let the grass grow under your feet when God gets through. Hold on to the promises of God. Jesus said, go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man did what? He questioned what the Lord said. He second-guessed what the Lord's intentions were. No, the Bible said that he believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and went his way. You see, when God gives us that promise and that assurance, there are times that even not only from the word of God, but you get in a service and the Lord begins to move prophetically and your pastor gets up here and maybe it's preached through the word of God to foretell or to foretell or sometimes it's in the office sitting there in uh, and discussion and all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord works through him and he just simply says that thing that needs to be said and the Lord has used him to address that situation or perhaps he stops you and you've been in every prayer line from, you know, for, for the last couple of years and it seems like there's no change and all of a sudden your pastor comes along and taps you on the shoulder or the evangelist calls you out in that service and he begins to deliver the mail to you to encourage your spirit and God's just simply tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I want you to be reminded I'm, I'm here and I haven't forgotten about this. Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken, and he went his way. Everybody say he went his way. He didn't run to the next revival where the prophetic preacher was, and, oh, I got I to gotta see if he's going to tell me the same thing again. Can I get personal with you? When God speaks, take it, hold on to it. I was taught you take it, put it in your pocket, and keep trucking. Keep walking with God. Keep believing God. <clears throat> I'm going to skip this one little illustration I was going to use, and I'm going to move right on. I got, I, I got to get you out of here. Praise God. But God, God has given to us many spoken promises. There are times that God visits us, and he speaks through the gifts of the Spirit. And I want you to understand the gifts of the Spirit do not proceed or do they uh, have more merit than the written word of God? I want you to understand that. If the gifts of the Spirit do not confirm the word of God in your life, if they do not confirm what you receive through your leadership, then it's most likely not of God. You stick with what your pastor teaches, but I believe he's going to teach the same thing. I want you to understand the word of God is the basis for everything when it comes to the promises of God. But there are times God speaks directly to a church. There are times tongues and interpretation may come forth. There may be times of prophetic utterance. It may come in a sermon that was delivered to you uh, from a man of God. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you're not careful, you'll start questioning those things. What you need to do is take that and hold on to it. It is the spoken promise, but you still got to keep living in the word. Hello? Hello? You may get a word that keeps your head in the heavenlies, but your feet still need to keep walking and keep going forward. 
But God did give spoken promises to certain people in the word of God. Abraham, for example, his seed, he said that his seed would be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of the heavens. He comes to him at a time in his life and he says, I want you to come out from Ur of the Chaldees and I want you to begin to journey with me. I want you to go and walk in obedience and I want you to observe what I'm going to do for you. And you look to the north, the south, and the east, and the west and I want you to understand that everywhere your sandaled foot begins to step that I'm going to give you that land. And if you count the sand of the sea, said, uh, that, then that'll be the limitation of what I do for you. And later on after his offering of Isaac to the Lord, and the Lord says, now I know that you will not withhold anything from me. God does test us along the way. And then he comes and makes a prophecy, not only am I going to do it, uh, give you a natural seed, that sand of the sea, but I'm going to give you a heavenly people, amen, if you can count the stars, if you can tell them, amen, then that's where I'm going to put the limit. Now listen to me carefully, because God knew that really in all reality, you're not going to be able to do this, but I'm going to leave it in your power to determine where I stop in the promise. you got to consider sometimes that that Abraham, when he walked, he didn't have a Bible like we had. He heard the voice and kept walking, didn't he? By faith, he walked with God. Now, it's amazing to me. What was the dimension of the miracle? Think about it. It was all determined on where Abram decided to stop. Now, sometimes, you got to stay with me, because sometimes... We limit God, all right? We do. We really do. Uh, we get to letting flesh talk to us instead of just keeping our mind on the word and keeping our mind on God and just holding on, right? But how big could the promise become if we just keep walking? What would we have done if we were in Abram's shoes? The longer he walked, miracle kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you what happens when churches stagnate in church growth. I'm going to tell you what happens when, when Sunday schools stop growing. It's because we are content. <clears throat> and then we go through the cycle of that contentment and then we fall into that trap of stagnation and then we fall into the trap of that lackadaisical attitude. And then we just fall into purity laziness. Let's let somebody else do it. It all started out good. It was all hands on deck. Everybody was working and, and things were growing and things were happening. It was hopping and popping. And, man, we had some high church. Anybody know what high church is? Praise God. Amen. One fellow said, I'll tell you what high church is when you've got scuff marks off the heels of shoes up on the crown molding. Amen. That's, that's high church. But <laughs> Amen. But I think we all understand what high church is. But sometimes we limit God and we get stagnant. But the miracle and church growth can get bigger when if we will just keep walking and doing the things that we know to do, the things that work. Can I get an amen? Can somebody help me here today? I want you to understand that things can open up in your life on a greater dimension. All God requires is you just keep walking. You may not see it right now, but if you'll keep walking, hey, after a while, I'm fixing to reveal the magnitude of the measure of your faith. If you will just keep walking in this thing. 
Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's praise him. My God, hallelujah. Glory, glory. But sometimes God doesn't speak to us. You know, God spoke of Abraham. He staggered not at the promises of God. The Bible said Sarah judged him faithful. Now, I'm going to stop here because some of y'all, y'all get all guilty because maybe I should have held on a little longer. Or you felt like, man, I struggled with unbelief and, oh, man, you get this attitude, you're going to throw in the towel. Anybody ever done that? Boy, you bunch of liars, hallelujah. Been there, done that, hadn't we? We cry and use up a box of Kleenex. And man, we, I'm sorry, God. Should have believed you. I'm here to tell you, God gives us more credit than what we think he does. I'm going to help relieve some of you of your pressure. Because sometimes when you fall short, you feel like, there it goes. God's, God's just gave up. It's not going to happen. Because I, let me tell you something. What happened when Sarah was behind the tent flap? And the angel come around and he starts talking. They're in dialogue with Abram and Man, you talking about a spiritual home, man, they had angels coming around. And uh, all of a sudden, man, she's done, you know how ladies are. They tune their ear, you know. They got the ear mashed up against the door, and they, oh, I got to listen to what's going on. Hallelujah. And, you know, that's kind of like what she did. All of a sudden, she hears angels say, you're going to have a son. I'm going to bless you. And all these promises are going to come through him. And here they are, <laughs> old age. And she starts laughing. She said, that's nuts. Look at how old we are. Huh? I know a gentleman, he was, went to Bible college with him, 72 years old. Don't you know the devil tried to get in his mind and say, man, you can't do nothing, you're too old. That man left Texas Bible College, and he didn't let the grass grow on his feet. He got a word from the Lord, and he went straight on and went back to his hometown and built a church. See, you know what? He had a Caleb attitude. Give me this mountain. I'm still able to do this. You're never too old to get it done when you've got God beside you. But here's Sarah, she laughs about this. And the angel hears it said, you laugh. <laughs> no, not me. Now you ladies get it. Praise God. I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. But you know what the Bible said about her? She judged him faithful. Just because you're struggling with faith, struggling with your unbelief, doesn't mean you don't have it. trying to encourage you tonight. I want you to remember this. Sometimes we don't get that audible word from God. I know a lot of folks. I've heard the voice of God. I know how he speaks to me. There have been many times it was almost the Lord closed my ears up to hear anything, uh, a noise or racket in a service, and I mean it was so clear, the voice of God and the Lord giving me instructions of what I needed to do. 
But not everybody can say that. And that doesn't mean they have they, that they lack faith or that they're not spiritual. Right? Sometimes we just got to go back to the word. Abram got a verbal promise, but if God hasn't spoken to you verbally, you're not left without a hope of a promise. We can claim the promises of God. Peter said that these were exceeding great and precious promises from the Lord. And a key here is that God is no respecter of person. What he has done for someone else, he will do for us. And you see, a written promise is much greater than a spoken promise because a written promise is a form of what's known as a promissory note. And it literally is a binding agreement. God is saying, I'm writing these things down and I'm having them written down. And I'm bound by my word. I want you to understand, we have a more sure word of prophecy here. I'm still talking about claiming your promises. Now, we need to do this one thing, and I got to get you out of here. It's 835. I got to get you out of here. Musician, come. If I hear you playing, I'll, I'll hustle this thing through. Praise God. Haven't these musicians done a great job? Man, y'all are talented. It's awesome. But if we're going to make the promises of God ours, we've got to cultivate the art of singling out promises that are suited for our present situation and claim them as our own. We must learn the art of personalizing the Word of God. Now, I didn't say spiritualize it. I said personalize it. Sometimes you've got to put yourself in the psalmist's shoes and you've got to place yourself in that particular place that says the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. Maketh me lie down in green pastures, so forth and so on. And we need, let's all stand. And we need to learn to point our finger at a promise and say, now God, this is what you did for someone else. This is what your word says. Now I'm going to claim that promise. Now David said this. He said, remember thy word unto thy servant in which thou hast caused me to hope. We need to remind God, not that we're reminding him. He's not forgetful. But we are letting him know that we remember. That we're still believing. That we're still trusting. See, God wants us to search his word. Now, don't be like the lady who, you know, she just let her Bible fall open and she closed her eyes and pointed her finger at a verse and all of a sudden she opened her eyes and looked at it and said, Judas went out and hung himself. I mean, you start doing that, you're going to have problems, right? But what we need to do is we need to point our finger at the Scripture and we need to say this is the Word of God. Scriptures like Romans 8, 28, and we know. Everybody said we know. We're not guessing about it. We're not questioning God about it. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Do you love God? Now, do you really love God? 
We're going to trust him in all things, Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 84 and 11. For the Lord is a sun and a shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. situations arise. God said, I'll deliver you out of them all. You've got to claim that promise tonight. There are specific promises of healing, Exodus 15, 26. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments, keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon these Egyptians. For Everybody say it with me. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Psalm 103, who forgiveth thine iniquities, healeth thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Look what God is doing. Woo! Awesome. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God puts on a robe of flesh and steps to the forefront. There begins a healing ministry. There he walks among them and heals them in Capernaum. And the Bible said that he healed them all. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus healed them, he'll heal us. God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible said so that you come behind and no gift even to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is still our healer. One of the greatest miracles of all, the greatest promise of all is for those that need the Holy Ghost, that if we would repent and we would be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, everybody say the promise, it's unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want us to lift our hands and let's thank God for his promises today. Can we do that? Come on, let's do that right now. I know a lot of us, sometimes we, we get like people at the airport. We stand in line at the baggage claim and, and you know, we watch the conveyor come by. Amen. And it's almost like some folks, they see their luggage go by, but they never reach up there and get it. And I want you to understand something. God, if he's given you a promise, uh, amen, when the promise come by, you don't need to be guilty of standing there looking at it. Uh, come on, you need to get a bulldog grip on it. Uh, you need to lay your hand on it. Uh, you need to wrap it up in your faith uh, and say, hey, that belongs to me. Uh, hey, I'm gonna claim my promise today. Uh, come on, I'm gonna open these altars right now. I want us to come. I want us to join together as a church family. I want us to move in the spirit tonight as we close out this service. Why don't you come? Let's begin to talk to God. Amen. You got a promise from God. I want you to renew that purpose.